We're beyond 60 games in the NBA season. And the MVP seems to have changed hands. But I'd make the case what LeBron did over the weekend versus the Bucks, versus the Clippers, Giannis, Kawhi, and the crew. I think what he did was make the MVP race a dead heat. I think it could go either way. You're certainly not going to judge the MVP based off of LeBron having a great weekend, which he did. More importantly, the Lakers won both of those games. But he was the best player on the floor in the game versus the Bucks, And I'm not sure he was the best player Sunday. I would say it was Anthony Davis. But LeBron was no worse than the second best player. The bottom line is this. The Lakers duo outplayed the Clippers duo. And so while you should... Show appreciation, respect, and acknowledge how great LeBron James is as a basketball player. And if you haven't noticed, if you haven't heard, he's in year 17, age 35, and he's still playing at an incredibly high level. Respect. He deserves all the props to that. That said, that 35-year-old, that great, all-time great 35-year-old, He's playing with a 26-year-old who can give you 30, 13, three blocks, and even throw in a couple assists. That's AD. When I watched the matchup between the Bucs and the Lakers, before the game, the first thing I said was, the Bucs don't have a second guy. Chris Middleton is a really good player, but he's not a superstar. And I'm not sure he's even a second option. I think Chris Middleton's best position in terms of the tiers, I think he's a third option, a terrific third option. The problem on the Bucs is they're missing that other guy that you can lock in for 24, 25 points a night. And it doesn't need to be a big. It needs to be somebody that can create off the dribble. One of the biggest flaws when you look at most NBA rosters, yes, Shooting is at a premium, so every team is always searching for a shooter, especially with the rise and the prominence of the three-point shot. But more important to me, in this era, because of the rules, because of how the game is played and how it's spaced out, you have to have guys who have the ability to beat people off the dribble, who can create their own offense and generate offense for others. Those guys, this league is dominated by those guys. This league right now, the NBA, is dominated by wings and point guards that can take you off the dribble, create for themselves and teammates. And really, when you get down to it, the teams that win titles, they have great wings. I'm looking at the Bucks, and they're well coached. They're a very good defensive team. They have a good system. But when you get into them, when you challenge them, when you do what the Raptors did this past week, when you do what the Heat did, what the Lakers did on Friday, which is wall off Giannis. And the way you guard Giannis, you don't guard him like a perimeter player. You guard him like you're guarding a great big. You want to know who Giannis is? I know you've heard the reference before, but it's true. Giannis is Shaq. 40 pounds smaller. 
he's Shaq if Shaq had somewhat of a handle. Giannis is the first center who has a pretty good handle, but it's a good handle for a center. He doesn't have a tight handle. And what teams are doing now is they're challenging him in the open court to slow him down. Because once he gets ahead of steam up and he can use those long strides, once that's that's going, it's a wrap. What teams are doing now is they're challenging his handle and it's making him slow down and crab dribble. And then it allows teams to come over and double team. He's a good passer, but because people know he's not a great shooter, they don't fear him. They don't fear when he raises up for his jump shot. And, and who would? If Giannis is going to beat me with his jump shot, I'm going to tip my cap to him and say, you got me. To his credit, he's worked on his jumper, and it's gotten better, but it still needs more work. He still needs to be more consistent with that. Until that's a consistent weapon, a part of his overall arsenal offensively, teams are going to keep playing him by walling him off and surrounding him and making him give the ball up. When it matters most, not the regular season, because I think the Bucs are a very good team, but I think they're built for the regular season. When it matters most, I've yet to see Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, even Chris Middleton to some degree, I've yet to see those guys step up and come through when the money is on the line. Most of those guys seem to fade. The bench, which is a very good bench, but again, it's a bench with the exception of um, DiVincenzo. With the exception of him, they have no one else that can get their own shot. The Bucks lack creators. And maybe the one or two creators outside of Giannis they have, Eric Bledsoe, not consistent. He's just not a consistent player. Eric Bledsoe has been one of those players, if you follow his career, He's had the word potential next to him for almost a decade. And I think people thought that the ceiling for him was all-star, maybe even superstar, and it just never happened. He's just an inconsistent player. I think that at some point they've got to address that. They've got to upgrade his position. I like Chris Middleton, but unless there's some kind of – unless he can be more assertive, unless Chris Middleton – can raise his game up and maybe approach it more like an alpha. I know Giannis is the man, but Chris Middleton has the talent and skill set. He can put up alpha-like numbers. Instead of giving you 19 a game, Chris Middleton needs to come up big in the playoffs and give you 26, 28 a game. That's the kind of effort the Bucs will need if they're ever going to make it to the NBA Finals. What will ultimately cost them is their lack of a second option to take pressure off of Giannis. But back to the MVP race. Like I said, I think LeBron made it a dead heat because he swept the Bucs and the Clippers. He even the season series with Milwaukee, and the Clippers were up 2-0, and now it's 2-1. There's one more meeting between the Lakers and the Clippers. And depending on where both teams are in the standings, that could be a meaningful game or it might be a game where their starters don't even play. I think LeBron deserves all the credit in the world for the season that he's having. I kind of disagree with the notion that he's playing point guard for the first time in his career. I've watched LeBron James his entire career. 
He's always played point guard. He's always been the one bringing the ball up. He's always been the one generating the offense. And when you watch the Lakers play, it's no different than when he was on the Heat or when he was on the Cavs. And to be clear, he's playing how he's always played. The only difference is he's got a six foot eleven, maybe seven foot power forward that he can throw the ball into and get some assists that way too. Or he can lob the ball to and get some assists that way too. For his career, LeBron averages a little bit over seven assists a game. The addition of Anthony Davis, do you think that Anthony Davis is worth three additional assists? No question. So is it a surprise that LeBron James went from averaging seven assists a game to an over 10 assists a game with the addition of Anthony Davis, a superstar, a top five player, a big that can score inside and out, very well versed in terms of his skill set. AD has a step through, can score with either hand, and is getting better and better from deep. Some would make the case that Anthony Davis He's not just a top five player. I've heard many people say he's a top two or three player. I wouldn't argue with that. But I'll say this. Even as skilled as Anthony Davis is, when you look at Giannis and how raw he is and all the things he still needs to work on, because he's such a force, even when he's not playing at his very best, the guy still can give you 30 and 13. I thought Giannis was was inferior versus the Lakers. And then I look up at the box score and his numbers were almost on par with what he averaged for this season. Some players, the great ones, even when they're not playing well, they can generate offense in other ways. What LeBron did yesterday versus the Clippers, for the most part, he didn't shoot well. But to his credit, what LeBron did was he was aggressive. He attacked the basket. He got to the foul line. He generated offense that way. And he's not known for being a great free throw shooter, but he shot it at a high level. He only missed one free throw the entire game. I'm excited to see where this MVP race is going to go. I think it still is a two-man race. If I was going to throw in maybe a third candidate, maybe a long-shot third candidate, I might look at what Russell Westbrook has done over the last month because what he's done has been special. And I know the Houston Rockets are probably going to end up being a fourth or fifth seed when it's all said and done. But what Russ has done, it's, it, it shows you just how unique a talent he is. He goes to the Rockets and I thought, Once that happened, automatically the Rockets have a puncher's chance to win it all. I thought the way they're using him now is the way they were going to use him to begin with. Russ would speed up the pace. Russ would attack the basket and allow Harden, Tucker, and the rest of the crew to launch threes. And they didn't play that way. They actually kept him on the perimeter, and he was chucking up threes. And that's not his game. You spread the floor. You give the ball to Russell Westbrook in a year 11 and he still will blow by you. He will still give it to you. That's unique. We can celebrate greatness. So when we're celebrating LeBron's greatness, 
every day, year 17, age 35, let's celebrate something very unique. Russell Westbrook is a six foot three athletic explosive guard in the history of the NBA. The way this works is most guys with his athleticism, athleticism, my bad, and his quickness, they usually don't age well. That usually catches up to them. They lose explosiveness. They lose the ability to blow by people. And Russ is one of those dudes, he's extra physical with it. He brings the contact. He initiates contact. And here he is in year 12, my bad, year 12. And he's still giving it to people at that high a level. And I've, I've been a critic of Russ from this standpoint. I've never, I've always hated his shot selection. Just some of the worst shot selection in NBA history. But as a competitor, in terms of how hard he plays and how fierce he is, I've always been a fan of his. He is one of those guys that if his team is playing, I'm watching. And I know I've said I didn't think Russ could be the best player on a championship team. And I still don't. But I think if James Harden could raise his level of ferocity, if he could raise his intensity to Russ's level, I think the Rockets, like I said, never mind the seed, they cause matchup problems for certain teams that will be higher seeds. And I think they're going to be a scary out. I started today thinking, Basketball resume. What do you see? It's how players look at other players. If you've ever played basketball, whether it's high school, college, street ball, maybe you're at the blacktop and you're playing ball. Your rep, your basketball resume, that's that thing that other players put on you when they look at you, when you walk in the gym and they, they know who can ball and who can't ball. Your strengths and your weaknesses. My weakness was I wasn't a shooter. It just wasn't my strength. My strength was I could get out in the open floor. And in the open floor, I I felt unstoppable. And defensively, I could guard anybody. Someone much bigger than me, smaller guys. That was my thing. And then as I got older, I realized I wanted to add something to my game because I wasn't always going to be able to just blow by people. So I worked on my post game. I got a little bit stronger and that became my new thing. And so my rep was when I came into the gym, I was one of those dudes. Somebody would come for me like, and we would stay on the floor all day. I've got a friend named Mark. He's got a jump shot. That's like water, like H2O, like Allen Houston, like Steve Kerr, like Ray Allen, like Steph. It's like that. I've got a friend named Pat can push the ball, can penetrate. He's a big boy too, but skilled, skilled, super high basketball IQ. And when he's motivated, he's a hell of of a defender. My point is this. When you look at how people compare great players, I'm talking about us fans, maybe even the media. Ultimately, we're talking about their basketball resume 
how we see them acknowledging their accomplishments. And while numbers matter, just like when I'm, when I'm on the blacktop and I'm with my boys, or are we going to the gym? The goal is to win games and stay on the floor all day. That's kind of like the street version of the title. The goal in the NBA, yes, you want to be great. You want to establish your own brand and put up numbers and become an all-star, win MVPs. But ultimately, you want to win titles. Giannis is going to be judged by how many titles he wins or doesn't win. And LeBron right now, in year 17, he's chasing another title. I actually think he's chasing more than one, though, because ultimately he wants to be remembered as that guy, as the best player ever, as the GOAT. Some would tell you right now today that LeBron is the greatest player of all time. I'm not there, but I'm open-minded from this standpoint. He's got a hell of a resume. And more importantly, his career is not over. His story is still playing out. LeBron James could end up winning two or three more titles, snatching away that crown and becoming known as the greatest player of all time. That is a possibility. But to me, and while I want to give him props for what he's done in this career, and if you listen to ESPN, Fox Sports, and other outlets, they will constantly, and I mean constantly, remind you of his, achieve- of his achievements. Not that we need reminding. We know that he's won the MVP four times. We know that LeBron James is a three-time champion. That he's one of the greatest players, if not the second greatest player of all time. We know that for his career, he's averaged 27 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, shooting over 50% from the floor, six-time All-NBA defense, 15-time All-NBA, rookie of the year. He's done it all. He's been an all-star game MVP. He's one of those unique players that comes along every 20, 25 years. And yes, he should be appreciated. But I don't think we hand down or we give the crown away by default. You know, back in the day when they were boxing, when you fought Muhammad Ali, it wasn't enough that you fought him close. The rule was you had to beat the champ. You want to beat a man? You got to take that crown away. So I'm, I'm not doing defaults. Brian needs to win a couple of more titles. He's already won the longevity award. There's no question. I'll, I, I'm even with ESPN on that. Year 17, still playing at this level. I'm not going to get caught up in the 35 years old. 35 years old is a number. This guy is a unique physical specimen and a unique basketball player. But. It's one of those things. Yes, he's 35. He came in the league when he was 18. That's why he's still, he's just 35. He's also in a league that's nowhere near as physically taxing as the one from another era. In this league, if you stare at somebody hard enough, they're going to the foul line. 
And it's not been that way for a couple of years. It's been that way for over a decade. When you look around, there are some very good players putting up all-time great numbers. They're not all-time greats. That is a symptom of the era. I love the NBA. Been an NBA fan since I was a little kid. Football was my first love. I started watching basketball, and it was a wrap. I broke up with football, kept it moving. I'm enjoying this NBA season. But I don't want to be one of those people when we start comparing guys like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, or or even PG, Paul George, or Kawhi. And if you don't win a title, you're not great. These guys are all-time greats. There's some Hall of Famers right now that never won anything. But people acknowledge the fact that they were great players and deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think I think your basketball resume is what it is. If it has titles on it, that's great. If it doesn't and you had a career like Carl Malone. You're still an all time great. Same for Charles Barkley and others. Patrick Ewing. The hardest part of comparing great players to other great players, knowing that in the background, in the shadows, one person will talk about numbers. The other person will talk about rings. And I've always thought they both have great value. Your individual statistics, your individual numbers, your greatness, your brand, what you did, that matters. But I think There's a place in it to talk about what you did at the highest of highs in the playoffs, in the conference finals, in the finals. I think that has value as well, not to mention who you played against, who you played with. And when did you come through or if you came through when the money was on the line? Legacy, resume. Those are my thoughts. That's what I've been thinking about over the last couple of days. Legacy, resume, because we get so wrapped up in just numbers. And I think they have, like I said, they have they have a great value. And if you're a sports fan, fan, especially a basketball fan, yes, debating stats. That is one of the great arguments or debating who's a Hall of Famer or what's a Hall of Famer, because the trick, the real tricky thing With the Basketball Hall of Fame is just that. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA's Hall of Fame. There are a lot of great players who still are not in the Hall of Fame. I've seen some very good ones get selected to the Hall of Fame. And I kind of agree with Coach Van Gundy. It seems like we're getting to the point now where we're just letting a little bit of everybody in. And the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, is supposed to be not for the very good, but for the all-time great, the truly special, transcendent players. Legacy and resume. Just a thought. So in real time, I was watching the game and in a group with some of the fam on YouTube and Facebook. I kept going back and forth. So let's keep it 100. To be fair, I'll put some of the comments out there because some people may agree with you. 
My man Reddy Ray said, Mo, where are all your excuses for the Clippers when they lose? I really don't even know where that comment is coming from. So check the tapes, but I'll say it again. I am a diehard Laker fan. I grew up watching the Lakers. I know obscure Lakers like Wes Matthews Seniors and Larry Spriggs. I believe even Chuck Nevitt, that waste of air, played for the Lakers. That's my squad. My favorite player of all time, Irvin Magic Johnson. That's my dude, who has a legit claim himself for GOAT. So, no, I don't need to make excuses for the Clippers. I'm a Laker fan. But if you're asking me when I looked at the game, or at least analyzed the matchup before the game, I thought it could have gone either way. The key for the Lakers was, I knew LeBron would do what he does. The question was, was AD going to play like a superstar or an all-star? I thought AD played like a superstar on both ends of the floor. And that's a major difference. Ultimately, the Lakers' two best players outplayed the Clippers' two best players. More importantly, they outplayed Kawhi Leonard. I thought Paul George at times was the best player on the floor. But as a Laker fan, let me keep it all the way 100. I didn't see Avery Bradley scoring 24 points. Nobody saw Avery Bradley scoring 24 points. Avery Bradley didn't see Avery Bradley scoring 24 points. That was big. That in itself, along with what he did defensively, because I thought Avery Bradley was all over the place. I thought one of the main reasons the Lakers won, outside of what Bradley, Braun, and AD did, I thought the Lakers out-hustled the Clippers. I thought they beat them to every loose ball, every 50-50 ball, you name it. I thought the Lakers just wanted it a little bit more. I thought the Lakers were more physical, more aggressive. This isn't one of those things where you say the Clippers gave it away. This is one of those games where you can legit say the Lakers took it. It was an interesting game, an exciting game. But give props to the Lakers. Big game. They needed to send a message, and I thought they did loud and clear. Here's one from Randall. Where do you feel Kawhi ranks in the MVP category? I think that's I think you misspelled category, but we're good, fam. I think Kawhi, if he's if he's in there, he's probably like number five or six. He doesn't really have a, a legit shot to win the regular season MVP. But you know what? Kawhi is one of those dudes. I think his goal, and and it should be like every great player's goal, I think his goal is to win the finals MVP. Like LeBron, like KD and other greats, that's the ultimate goal. Yes, the the regular season MVP matters, not more than the finals MVP, because you're not winning that nine times out of ten unless your squad's winning it all, and that's the ultimate goal. That's what you play for. Kawhi Leonard's a unique player. He may very well never win a regular season MVP, but before his career is over, he might win multiple finals MVP. And ultimately, I keep saying ultimately, I'm killing myself. When it's all said and done, that's what they're going to judge you on. What you did at the highest level in the finals when the ring was on the line. 
the MVP candidates this year, right now, I really do believe it's LeBron and it's Giannis. AD would have a strong case, except he plays with LeBron. And they're not canceling each other out. They're both playing at a high level. I think LeBron's just playing at a higher level. I want to do Q&A later this week, but I just want to throw in a couple of those comments because, wait a minute, let me throw in one more. Do you still think Giannis is an elite player? Absolutely. Giannis didn't do anything to hurt himself. LeBron outplayed him and the Lakers won, but in outplaying him, it's not like Giannis folded and had like 11 points and two rebounds. He had 32 points and 12 rebounds and six assists. But late in the game, LeBron made the bigger plays. LeBron made the winning plays. He asserted himself more than Giannis on both ends of the floor, and his team won because of his effort. He was the better player. And going forward, I think you can make a case that LeBron is in the lead. I think it's it's a dead heat. But if LeBron James wins the MVP, I don't think you can argue that. That means he earned it. And if Giannis should end up winning it, there's no need to argue that. LeBron James is trying to win another title. I think Giannis wants one as well. And if they had a choice between the two, I think both would much rather end up being finals MVP. That's what it's all about. This has been a great NBA season. It's a 20-game sprint for seeding and positioning the rest of the way. If I were going to say there were two pleasant surprises in each conference, or let, let, let me rephrase that. One pleasant surprise in each conference. In the East, it's got to be the Miami Heat. What Jimmy Buckets has done for that team, along with the development of Bam Adebayo, add those sharpshooters with Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn is streaky, but he's dangerous. Derrick Jones is athletic and one day might be an all-NBA defender. I like Miami's makeup. I'm not quite sure they're a title contender. I think they're a legit threat, but not a threat to win it all. I think they're one player away, or maybe just one more year in Bam's development. Jimmy Butler's their best player, but I'm not so sure this time next year, Bam won't be. And let me say one more thing about Bam. This guy's not just a skilled big. He's a skilled big who moves like a wing player, who passes like a wing player. I think Bam is going to challenge Joker for being the best passing big in the NBA. He's that gifted a player, and I'm a big fan. In the West, it's got to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. Most people, including myself, I didn't think the Thunder had a chance of making the playoffs. I love that they brought in Shea Gilders Alexander. I love his talent. I saw what he had with the Clippers. I'm not surprised at all what he's doing. And he made a lot bigger leap than even I thought. He's a talented kid, not a point guard. He's more of a combo. He can score. He can defend. And then you got Chris Paul showing that at age 34, when people had written him off, still able to play at a high level, still able to create for others, make big shots, and still one of the best point guard defenders in the NBA. Danilo Gallinari, 
He's a bucket getter. 19 points a game, five rebounds. But what Gallo's really great at is getting to the foul line. This OKC team is sneaky and it's going to be a tough out for anybody in the playoffs. Appreciate the fam for listening. We're going to double up this week because I've been gone for a minute. It's the Cypher. Next time. We'll be right back.